during a, uh, a utero exam, they found out that this little baby, his name is Levi James, he suffered from a condition called spina bifida. It's a condition where, it's a rare condition where that spine is, is fatally malformed. So once the doctors saw that little Levi had this, they, they did a, a life-altering, life-saving, reconstructive surgery on his spine. And they took him out. And then the amazing thing is they, they put him back in so the child can heal, so the child can continue to grow and have uh, a great opportunity and a great chance for a, a normal future. Uh, so doctors removed Levi from his mama's womb, performed that surgery, put him back in so he could be protected, so he can continue to grow. Now they've been monitoring uh, Levi since they've done this, and you can Google this story if you want to. Uh, but they're finding that, that Levi, is, he's doing well. He's, he's flourishing still inside his mother's womb. The, the doctors think that after Levi is born, he'll have some uh, physical therapy at the very beginning of his life, but they totally expect Levi to have this, uh, to have a very normal life, to have a fulfilled life, a productive life because of this surgery. Now, about every year, there's about 1,500 uh, babies that are born with spina bifida, and a very, very short, a very, very small number of, of kids are eligible or qualified for this surgery. It's not for everybody. It's not been given to everybody. It's less than 1%, but, but Levi made the cut. In the story that was published by the New York Post, uh, they report, Ashley originally shared her story in a viral TikTok video captioned, birthing my baby for him to be put back in and 11 weeks later be, and those, like, those two words at the end of this is what got me, so he could be born again. And I thought, I, I don't know if she understands what she just said, but I do. Um, and when she said born again, uh, it, it, it hit my spirit. And that particular video on TikTok has had over 2 million views. You can, if you're a TikToker, you can go see that. In the article, Jaden said, I'm excited for him to realize, Levi, how many people were rooting for him and how loved and special he is. Not everyone gets the chance to have this surgery. And I want him to know that God is on his side. Can't tell you whether Ashley is a Christian or not, but I know that she's using the right words. And I said, Le Levi is showing great signs of improvement. The doctors are, are very uh, optimistic that, that Levi is going to pull through. And he's still inside his mom after this surgery. He's still not been born yet. But when I thought about what uh, Jaden had said about being born again, my mind went to a guy by the name of Nicodemus. It's in John chapter 3. Uh, Nicodemus was on the Pharisee council. He was one of the major leaders in the first century there in first century Jerusalem. And I'm not saying he was as rich as Elon Musk by any, by any stretch of the imagination, but he was very wealthy. He was uh, highly influential, had a, had a, a good solid 401k. Uh, he, he, was, he was a guy. And legend kind of fills in some of the cracks that are silent in the, God, in the Bible. Legend kind of tells us that he may have been a water merchant. He sold water uh, to people who were coming to Jerusalem. His nickname was Bodhi or Bodhi, B-O-D-I. He had, a, he had a, a good family. He had that position of being a, a leader in the town. Uh, he had been to the best rabbinical schools. He had been to the best uh, priestly schools. He had... He knew, he knew it all. He was the dude. If you had a problem, go to Bodai. He's the guy. So in Jerusalem, he was a big deal. Uh, 
legend tells us, and this is legend, this is extra biblical sources, I don't know if this is true or not, but it's just interesting, it's candy, so if you like the candy, take it, if you don't, don't worry about it. I can't tell you this is true, it's just interesting. Uh, legend tells us that Peter and John baptized Nicodemus. Um, there was a, a book that was found in about the third century uh, AD called the Gospel of Nicodemus. We don't, probably Nicodemus didn't write it, but there's something within ancient writings called pseudepigraphical writing. It means that if you were a follower or a disciple of somebody, you could write for them, write the testimony you gave even after your death, but it's still given to you that the authorship is still given to you because they're writing in your language. They're writing in your voice. They're writing your stories. They're giving your account. I can't tell you that book is, is divine. I can't tell. It's definitely not in the canon, but it's a very interesting book. You've heard the story of how Jesus dies, go to hell, opens up the gates and removes the people from, from hell and takes them to heaven, or removes them from paradise, an apartment in hell, removes them and takes them to heaven. That's, that really, the heart of that story is found in that. So I, I know that early, early churches were dealing with it. That's all I'm going to say about that. It's interesting if you ever want to read it. Um, Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night and he says those words born again. Listen to what the Bible says and if you have your Bible you can open up. If you have your phone turn your Bible on. John chapter 3 verse 1 through 9. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a member of the Jewish ruling council. Read there the dude had influence. He had, he had, uh, he had leadership. He had power. He came at Jesus at night and said Rabbi Y'all, we, we know you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs that you're doing if God weren't with him. Jesus says, I tell, you the, uh, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Right on. How can a man be born again when he's old, Nicodemus asked. Uh, surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Um... Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, Nick, no one can enter into the kingdom of God unless he's born of the water. Born of the water means born of the flesh. Uh, when mom is about to give birth, the water breaks. So Jesus is saying, you have to be born in order to be born again. But then you're born of the Spirit. And that's when the Spirit of God comes inside you. And you repent of your sin and believe that Jesus died and was buried and resurrected. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Jesus says, for example, you can't see the wind. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who's born in the Spirit. And then Nicodemus just comes right back with another question. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweak that a little bit. He says, man, I, I don't really understand all this. And then just a few verses later in John chapter 3. Do you remember John chapter 3? Well, when you think of John chapter 3, what verse do you think of? For God so loved the world. This is that story. When you look at the story just on face value, there's really absolutely no reason for Nicodemus to be going to Jesus if Jesus was just a normal dude. You see, Jesus wasn't the only one in the first century going around saying, look at me, I'm a Messiah. He wasn't the only one going around saying, I have a message from God. But Nicodemus saw something in Jesus. And now Jesus, I'm going to be honest with you, he was kind of a nobody person. He's from a nobody town. He has a, a nobody profession. If you don't like a carpenter, go down the block. There's six more. So here is this kind of nobody guy from a little nothing town who, whose background is in carpentry. And here's Nicodemus. Um, 
a second tier Eli Musk of first century Jerusalem, if you will. And here is this guy going to Jesus. The reason why I think that was happening is because Nicodemus knew that Jesus spoke with authority, under control, with great power. He knew that there was something different about this nobody from this nothing town who had a background in carpentry. There was just something unique about him, something that made him stick out amongst all the other Messiah claimers. There was something that made Jesus stick out amongst all the others who said, I have a message from God. Nicodemus saw Jesus and it it made him ask some questions because he knew he was the real deal. And I believe that some of the questions Nicodemus asked him were probably questions that you and I deal with. Is there a God? Do I have to be good before God accepts me? What happens when I die? Why does God let bad things happen to good people. I'm just shooting from the hip on there, but these are questions that, that, that I believe that most of us have. Uh, why am I here? What, what does God want me to do? Uh, and everyone has these questions, and God places these things inside of us. If you look at Nicodemus, the dude, question after question after question, the Bible says that God created us with eternity. Church, say eternity. He, he created us with eternity in, heart, in our heart. That's why we're curious. What happens when we die? How can we make sure that when we die, we, we go to heaven? How can we live a life that, that pleases God? It turns out that, that someone, I guess, can go back into their mother's womb to be born a second time because it's just happened. So when Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you that no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. The truth is, church, in order to, to really live in this world and live in the next one, you have to be born again. You have to be saved. You have to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It does turn out somebody can go back into their mother's womb, I guess, with Levi James. But you know, when you look at that surgery, I told you that every year, 1,500 kids are born with spina bifida. But there's this little bitty margin of kids who qualify, who are eligible, that meet the requirements and the criteria to be, uh, to be recipients of this life-saving surgery. Wouldn't you love to be a part of that little group whose kid gets a chance at a normal life, who has a chance to be a father or, uh, or a mother, uh, who has a chance to, 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 to run and jump like any other kid and go through life without all that pain. Wouldn't it be great if your kid kind of made that cut? But when we look at Jesus who's saying being born again, He's saying, I have this life-saving transformation. I have this life-saving trans- transaction that I can give you. And by the way, it's not just for a little bit. It's for everybody. It's for anyone with this disease of sin. Jesus saying, I have this surgery and it's open for everyone. Church, only God can do that. And only God can really fix what really ails us. Yet, thankfully, thankfully, it's for everybody. God's on your side, church. God's on the side of humanity. He's on the side of men and women and students. He's on the side of of humanity and He always has been. He doesn't want any to perish. He doesn't want any to, to spend an eternity in a devil's hell. He doesn't want anybody to do that. He's on Nicodemus' side. And the good news, man, He's on Bryce's side. He's on Suzanne's side. He's on Anna's side. He's on our side. And I'll tell you how I know that. I was counting up how many times I've shared this with you over the last month or so, and I think this will make the 17th time I've done this for you. The reason I know that God is on our side, because since the very beginning, God has had a a beautiful design for our lives, for peace and hope 
and joy and to be in a relationship with Him. That's how He made us. And anytime we get away from what God wants us to do or what God made us for, it's called sin. We, we, we transition away from Him. And what happens is it leads us to brokenness. And we feel empty. And we feel hopeless. And we feel alone. And in order to try to feel better, we'll either sleep our way to it or we'll drink our way to it or we'll, we'll drug our way to it or we'll advance in our career enough to it or we'll make enough money enough to it or we'll get another wife or a new husband our way to it. Uh, all these things. And, and we try to make ourselves happy and bring some type of a, a, a salve to the brokenness, but none of it works. And God knew that. And so the good news is called the gospel. This is a Bible word, which just simply means the good news. Well, what's the good news? Well, the good news, the gospel, is that God came in the flesh in the person of Jesus. He died, was buried, and He rose again. And when He died, all of our brokenness was laid upon Him. All of our sin was laid upon Him. And what he did is he removed that sin so we could be restored to God's original design. So we could have hope, peace, joy. So we would have purpose in our life. So we can be restored. And so now we can pursue. Pammy, how do you spell pursue? P-U or P-E? P-U? So we can pursue his design again for our life. So we can pursue that, that perfect purpose for our lives so in order to get this in order to receive God's gift of salvation we do this we repent church say repent repent means we get off the off ramp from our brokenness and our sin we turn from our sin and then we believe we believe that Jesus is God in the flesh died on the cross rose uh, died on the cross was buried and he rose again when we repent from our sin and believe that Jesus is who he says he was that he can take care of us that he can remove our sin we realize that his uh, our sin was placed upon him and his righteousness was placed upon us when we repent and believe I've shared that with you now at least 17 times over the last month we were in uh, Gulf Shores Alabama on on uh, vacation and Ridge wanted to get a picture of this in the sand and he said man this would look good you know on as a as a thumbnail or something and so for about an hour we tried to beat the tide and try to get everything right with it and while we're doing that people are coming up and talking to us playing with Sadie and the ball and in the back of my mind I'm saying man I really want to get this done I really want to get this done dude and his wife come up their dog can walk on its two legs, but the Bev, the last two legs are kind of like in a, a, a walker. It was one of the weirdest things I ever saw. And uh, so here's my dog acting crazy. She's on the spectrum, um, catching this ball. And, and here's this other dog, two legs and some type of a, a dolly holding the back end of it. And I thought, nobody would believe this story if I told them. And the dude comes up to me, the owner of the dog and the uh, dolly. He sees my drawing on the ground. You know what he says? What you drawing? My heart wasn't in it. But you know what I did? I explained every bit to him while he's standing there on the beach with me. And I thought, you know what, God? If you send this dude up here and you want me to, and he's asking me what does all that mean, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I would love to tell you that the guy gave his heart to Christ that day, but he didn't. 
when I got to the point where I said, where do you see yourself? What part of you are, are, where would you place yourself in this? He couldn't answer me. But the results are not up to you and me. All we do is explain what the gospel means to some dude on a beach or in line at Rosier's or while you're getting your hair cut or your nails done. All we've been called to do is tell people the good news. The results are up to him. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. If you save somebody, they're still lost. If you save somebody, they're still lost because we don't save anybody. Church, the gospel answers all of Nicodemus's questions. Why am I here? Is there a God? Is, do I have to be good enough for God to accept me? What happens after I die? What's the purpose of life? The Gospel answers all of those questions of Nicodemus, and thank God, they still answer our questions today. They still speak to our heart. There are answers for the world. There are answers for Chester. They are still the answer for Percy. They are still the answer for Perryville. They are still the answer for Rosher. They are still the answer for, 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 for all of these places, church, and they're the answer for you. The Gospel answers those questions that Nicodemus asked. Church, the reason why you're here today, whether you're here or whether you're online watching us, you're either here because A, you're born again already, or B, you have questions. You want somebody to help you figure out why are you here. You want somebody to, to help you figure out does God love you. You're here you're, because you have questions about do I have to be good enough in order for God to receive me. The reason you're here today is probably because one or two of those reasons. And here's the thing, church. I think this church is cool. I think it's awesome. I know it's unique because uh, we're still seeing people saved and we're still seeing people baptized and we're still seeing people grow in their faith and we're seeing more people get involved in the ministry in this church. Um, I believe that this is a, a fairly healthy church. Um, but I, 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 there's areas that we're sick. There, there's areas that we're anemic. Um, and you don't ever get any better and you realize, until you realize that, hey, we, there, are, there are some things that, that, that we're sick at. Church, our mission is to be here for the Nicodemuses in our life. The people with questions. The people who are wondering, does God love me? Is there a God? Now, for many churches, um, they're failing in this mission. And we're going to talk about Southern Baptist churches because that's our tribe. Um, they've put together some numbers. The, the numbers they, they, they count are how many people have been baptized. And the reason why we look at that is because typically when somebody comes to Jesus, the very next thing they do is they follow through with believer's baptism. We can count believer's baptism. That's the first act of obedience after you get saved. Back in 1972, it was the, it was the big year uh, for baptisms. It was a peak year. It was over 445,000 baptisms in that year. Now you fast forward to the year 2001, it had fallen considerably. It's at 3, uh, 395,000. What about more recently? Well, 2019, you look at that, as far as Southern Baptist churches, Baptist churches, the last pre-COVID year we had would have been 2019. It was 235,000. COVID year, 2020. How in the world could we ever let that forget, uh, slip from our mind? COVID year was 123,000. Uh, the number of that so low is primarily because lots of churches didn't meet. So we can excuse that. But then you look at the 2021 numbers. And you might say, oh, those are better numbers. Those are better numbers where things are going good. Because in 2021, they, we saw 154,000 people baptized. 
And they, they look back and say, oh, we're growing because of 2021. Don't, don't look at 2020. Look at 2019. That was the last baseline year we had before COVID. Y'all, what's happened is using the 2019 number, there's, there's a 34% drop in the amount of people that are, that are being baptized, coming to Christ in the church. The trend is bad. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not getting any better. But we still have to reach the community for Jesus, no matter what the numbers say. We still have to reach our Nicodemuses in the Randolph County area, the Jackson County area, the Perry County area. We still have to reach people for Jesus, regardless of what's going on in the convention or over there, over here. We still have the mission. And here's the thing. Failure of the mission means two things. Number one, it means if we fail to share the gospel, it means people will bust hell wide open because we didn't tell them anything. And I place that first because people dying and going to hell is a bigger issue with me than anything else. What else is more important than making people, making sure people die with Jesus? Because at the end of the day, church, that's the only thing that we're here for is to lead people to Christ. We can do without a lot of things, but not that. So number one, it means that people can die and go to hell and spend an eternity without Jesus. But here's the second thing. Church, if we're not being the answer people to the Nicodemuses in our life, I promise you, I may not live to see it and you may not live to see it, but if the church does not reach out to the Nicodemuses around us with all the questions, I promise you, Chester First Baptist Church will not be open forever. This door will be closed just like the church out at Blair. Well, I'm pretty sure that'll never happen. Do you understand that's exactly what that church said? We'll never close. And I can tell you right now, there's two other churches in this town who are having trouble saying, do we stay open? That's the stark reality. That's That's real. And my dear friend, let me tell you this. If you're more upset that this church would close its door than you are that people are dying and spending an eternity without hell, uh, without Jesus in an eternity in a devil's hell, your priorities are wrong. Because you see, it's not about CFBC. It's about the Nicodemuses that live in this town. The trend's bad. And the thing is, we've got all kinds of excuses why we don't share, why we don't invite people to church. We've got all kinds of excuses, and I want to share seven of the most unpopular, I'm sorry, seven of the most popular reasons and excuses people like us use for not sharing the gospel. Number one, preach, I don't do it because I'm a Southern Baptist, and it's the denomination's fault. I'm just ashamed of who uh, of, of our denomination. And by the way, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I can get some of that. Um, the Southern Baptist Convention started in 1845. We broke away from the Northern Baptist. Uh, the reason was because the Northern Baptist said, we will not let you in leadership if you own slaves. So the Baptists in the South, Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, I said, fine, we'll just start our own. 1845, August, Augusta, Georgia. That's the truth. And 
in our current woke place where we find ourselves in culture, that's being brought up along with all the other Confederate stuff and all the other statues and all this cancel stuff. But the truth is that is that's where we come from. But here's the amazing thing, church. Even even in spite of of, of where we started, God has still used the Southern Baptist church to to reach a lot of people i don't know about you but i was saved in a southern baptist church not by a southern baptist gospel but by the gospel of jesus christ and i'm so glad that god used the denomination or denominational church in 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 that capacity but but don't blame your denomination because you don't share the gospel or because you don't invite someone to church now denominations may provide some very powerful resources and evangelistic training and things like that but church your denomination doesn't get people to heaven. What evangelism is is when saved people tell lost people the good news. That has nothing to do with being Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, Charismatic, Catholic, Lutheran. That has to do with being a Christian. That's it. So don't blame your denomination. Secondly, things aren't really that bad, preach, are they? I are bad. They're horrible. At least they are in most churches. And until we accept the difficult reality of our anemic evangelistic state, we'll do nothing. You see, we don't do anything until we realize there's a problem. Things are that bad. Oh, but church, uh, you're, you might be saying, well, preacher, I know that there's churches in town here that, that have 15 people a Sunday or 12 a Sunday or 10 a Sunday. Church, let me tell you something. That's none of our business. That's not our church. They're on our team. They're our sister church. But what are we doing here? Our address is not an accident. We were placed here in 1937, but we were birthed in the heart of God to do one thing, and that's to reach the Nicodemuses in, in this area. And if we're not going to do it, I promise you God's done it in the past. He ain't scared to pick up a light stick and put it somewhere else. Things aren't that bad. Well, yeah, they are. Number three. Well, preach, I don't, I, I don't invite people to church or I don't share the gospel because evangelism's not my gift. This actually happened down in Wardline, uh, Wardline Baptist Church. A man by the name of Al. I was doing a witnessing training thing. He came up to me and said, you can do this all you want. I'm, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I'm not going to learn this. True story. Hand to God. Church, the Bible doesn't say for those who operate in the gift of evangelism, go and tell. Mm -mm. Y'all, that great commission is for all of us, whether you have the gift of evangelism or not. Now, I believe that there are people, men, who can come into the church who can just preach a message, and they can preach the gospel in a way that, that, that may have been heard millions of other times, but somehow God's anointing is on them. They can come in and have an altar call, and people who had heard the message in the past somehow fall underneath the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, and they get saved. I believe that God does give the gift of evangelism to some, but that doesn't mean just because you don't have the gift of evangelism, it doesn't mean that you're off the hook from inviting people to church and sharing the gospel, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ with your friends, relatives, uh, acquaintances, and neighbors. It doesn't let us off the hook. So just because you don't operate in that giftedness, the only word for non-evangelistic Christians is disobedience. That's it. If you're not sharing your, your faith as a Christian, there's one word to describe you. It's disobedient. It's not lack of gifting. It's lack of obedience. Next. Preach, I don't have time to do evangelism. I just don't have time to do it. 
In other words, we're basically telling someone how they can, uh, how they can have eternal life. It's just not really a priority in our life. It's not that big of a deal. It's not important to you. Church, if we understood how real hell was, we would, incur- we, we would share our faith a whole lot easier if we really believed hell was forever and hot. Number five, I don't know what to say, preach. You can learn what to say. Again, 17 times you've been shown this this month. Last month as well. You've been shown this uh, on how to share your faith. You know the words to say. Stop using that as an excuse. It's tough and it's difficult and it's arduous and it's uncomfortable, but it's still needed. It's still a commission. It's still your mandate. And you do know what to say. Tell them your story. Your story, your experience will always trump an argument. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Let me tell you how He saved me. Let me tell you how He redeemed me. You can even download an app and let a non-Christian read it. You've been taught the three circles, which anyone can do. I don't know what to say is not a good excuse. Number six. Had this conversation during the three circles class. Turning everyday conversations into gospel conversations. I don't know any lost people. That's the same thing as saying, I I don't go to the grocery store. I don't ever go get a haircut. Some of us never get a haircut. We can do right there in the bathroom. Zoom, zoom, zoom. But some of you go to a a, a hair salon or a barber. You go get a mani-pedi. You meet people there. You're in line at Roasters. uh, You're in line at Walmart or at the golf course or at the shopping center or wherever. Church, the truth is God sends us lost people all the time in our path if we know what we're looking for. And sometimes it looks like a dude drinking a beer with his funky looking dog on a beach. You know what? There was no reason for me, Suzanne, to say, God, do you want me to lead? Do you want me to share the gospel with this guy? I was like, dude, here's your sign. You're literally drawing the gospel presentation and somebody comes up, what's that mean? There's lots of Nicodemuses out there, church. People who don't know Christ as their Savior cross our paths every single day. You do know lost people. Seven. If I tell someone Jesus is the only way of salvation, they may get offended. Oh man, this is a tough one right now. I'm afraid if I tell somebody that Jesus is the only way to come to, come to, to God, they're going to get upset and they're going to get offended. Well, you, you, you very well may be right. In fact, the Bible says that you know the cross is foolishness to those who don't believe. But to us who believe, man, it's power and it's anointing and it's forgiveness. Things like that. Church, there was a time when, when you thought the, the cross was nonsense, but now it makes more sense than anything else in the universe. Y'all, the narrow way can seem narrow-minded, but the exclusivity of salvation through Christ is an unequivocal biblical truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no woman, no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Perhaps one of the major reasons of, and on my, literally my last page, one of the major reasons evangelism is dying in a lot of churches is because 
Studies have shown even within the church, like ours, there's people in the pews who do not believe that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Tom Rainer's group, Church Answers, recently did a survey. and Even in a church our side, I promise you there's three people here, or last night, who no longer believe that Jesus is the only way to salvation. And this is an alarming increase of, of church members denying that Christ is the only way to salvation. Now, I'm going to tell you why that's crazy. I'm going to tell you why that's detrimental to the church. If more and more Christians are believing that there are other ways to be saved, there are other paths to salvation, there are other ways to, to, to live forever and eternity in heaven, if there, is a, if there is a growing movement in the church of people who are believing that there is salvation found in another way than repenting of sin and believing that Jesus died and was buried and rose again, if there is a percentage of the church who believes that, can I ask, can, let me ask you this. If you believe that there's other ways to get to heaven... You, how convinced and how convicted will you be to share the gospel of Jesus? If you think there's other ways to get there, why will you share the gospel of the exclusivity of the narrow way to get to heaven through Jesus? You won't. If we don't believe that Jesus is the only way to be saved, we won't share the good news. We won't tell people how to find Christ. If we fail to believe in the unequivocal biblical truth that Jesus is the only way people are saved, we won't share our faith. There's zero motivation if we really don't believe that. Church evangelism is dying in most of the churches in North America. I pray. I want to be an obedient Christian, not a disobedient Christian. That's what my prayer is for me. And I pray that I'll share the gospel with discipline, with hope, and with conviction. I really believe it. I don't think anybody gets into heaven outside of Jesus. At least that's what my Bible says. Evangelism is dying, church. But I want us to be able to say the words of Peter and John. And if you remember, there were two people that baptized Nicodemus. Legend tells us. Peter and John. This is what they basically said. How in the world can we shut up after everything we've seen? How can we not tell people about Jesus? How can we not share the gospel? How can we not do that? And we've been given the mandate to go and tell. And Peter and John are saying, how in the world can we do anything but that? There was a little boy uh, in the Ukraine. Uh, if you notice on the news, at a certain age, uh, if you were a male over a certain age, you had to stay there and fight no matter what. Um, and I heard stories... Growing up, kids 14, 15 years old going into the military, although they were too young, they still went in. Same thing over there in the Ukraine right now, around Kiev. There was this 14-year-old boy. He looked like he was 16, but by, by definition, he should have went with his mom. But he wanted to stay. And the way that they're communicating out there, lots of, t lots of these young kids are on bikes, and they're taking this order from this, this, general, uh, this corporal over here to this one. And this little boy said, you know, I can do that. And so he kept going back to the, the, the office, and they said, dude, you're too young. Get out of here. Go. And he kept coming back. He, he got the guy who let him in. And they said, here's your job. You're going to take this message from this commander. Get on your bike. And run it across town and give it to that commander. That's what he did. He's happy to do it. 
And whenever you make that trip, you call in to the, to the main guy on the field to let him know that you got the message delivered. Kept doing this. Kept doing this. Kept doing this. And he was, he was a rock star for, for this particular group over there. Uh, I think his name is Sergey. I'm not even going to try his last name. On his way back, there was a blitz there. The story I read. And this, this home was just demolished. And on his way back, he begins to hear the voice of a little kid buried underneath this rubble by the cellar. Couldn't get out. The door of the cellar uh, had a beam over the front of it. The, kid, uh, couldn't, the little kid on the back side of it couldn't get out. And so... Um, Sergey gets off his bike and he, he, he goes over there and he gets the beams away from the door and the little kid comes out and about that time the wall comes down on Sergey. Can't get him out. Little kid safe. Rescue the little kid. People get over there trying to get him out. They can't get him out. And they said at a time like this, Sergey, is there anything you want to say? Is there anything you want us to tell someone? Tell the commander I got the message done. Tell him I delivered the message. Can you imagine the batteries on that kid? The thing he wanted his commander to know is I finished my job. I did what you asked me to do. Church, we have a commander who has given us one job. To go and tell. We're living in a hostile world. We're living in a hostile environment. Glenn, at the end of my days, I want to make sure that I can tell my commander I delivered the message. I got it through. Church, the challenge I give you is this. Invite somebody to come to church with you once a week. And the reason why some of us don't do that is because the people we want to invite know us. Yeah. That ought to tell us something about who we are too. I'm not preaching at you. I'm sharing with you. I'm in the same stinking boat. I'm just as messed up as anybody in this room. But we've been given a message. What if we invited a person a week? And here's the thing. Inviting somebody to church is not sharing the gospel. Please don't ever think that it is. But as your pastor, I'm telling you this. If you'll invite somebody to come to your church, I'll help you with the heavy lifting. They'll hear the gospel. That doesn't mean I don't want you trained to do this. That doesn't mean I don't want you able to do this. But you know what? Uh... I don't, I don't care how people hear the gospel. I just want them to hear it. And if you bring them, I promise you, they'll hear about a Jesus that wants to save them and regenerate them and give them a surgery that's available to everybody. So every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I want you to think about this message. I want, to think, I want you to think about what it means for you personally. 
as far as stepping up, stepping out, speaking up. Like Peter and John, they said, we can't stop telling everything we've seen and we've heard. Well, maybe they couldn't stop talking about it, but what made you stop talking about it? What, what reason are you given? The days of excuses are done. Hey, the days of the days of saying y'all come to church are over. We've got to go out there to them. You can make it as hard or as easy as you want. I'm just asking you to be obedient. You know, today, if one of those excuses, and every head is bowed, every eye is closed, this is between you and God. I'm going to be honest with you, I won't even look at you. I'll see the hands pop up, but that's it. If you've used one of those excuses and you've used it to, uh, to explain why you're not inviting or why you're not sharing the gospel, if one of those hits you between the eyes of your heart, made you say, ouch, can you just lift up your hand? You can put it right back down. Okay. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Thank you, Brian. Y'all, I'm not asking you to, uh, to reinvent the wheel here. Neither is the Lord. He's asking us to be obedient to the simple mission of going and telling. That looks like sharing the gospel. That looks like inviting your friends, relatives, acquaintances, and neighbors to your church so they can hear the gospel. I'm about to ask you, would, would you invite just one person with you a week? One person a week. Say, hey, would you want to come to church with me this Sunday? Would you sit by me? Man, if you would make that commitment, because you know, th this, this message is a tough message to preach, and it's a tough message to hear, but it's an obedient message to live out. If you would commit to inviting a person a week, if you'd commit to sharing your faith once a week, Either or, both and, it doesn't matter. I'm asking you to make a commitment this morning. Say, hey, preach, I can do that. I can invite somebody to church once a week. You just simply lift your hand. You can put it right back down. And y'all, this isn't numbers. I mean, I, it's not about numbers. It's about souls. You can put them right back down. Anyone else? Okay, there's four of you. It's amazing. There's six. Six out of 80. No, preacher, there's not a problem. Six out of 80. Things aren't that bad, preach. Anyone else? Seven. Anyone else? 
I'm going to ask you if you would please stand to your feet.